What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 131 Podcast. Today is episode 42 and Acorn. This is the first week that we've been consistent in a long time. What's going on, bro? I I know it really hasn't. I mean, I apologize, everyone, but we've been uh, a little busy with our personal lives. Uh, We're not going to get into that. But, dude, UMass Amherst wins their first NCAA title over St. Cloud State. 5-0, absolute demolished job in Pittsburgh last night. What the fuck? Would I know, you have ever thought that UMass Amherst would have won a national title with all those monsters teams that were in that, like Wisconsin, North Dakota, Boston College, Minnesota Duluth, Boston University, the list goes on and on and UMass Amherst comes out of that, especially with all the COVID issues they had while they're in Pittsburgh. Well, let's look at their road to the championship game. They played Lake Superior State in the first round. Then they played Bemidji State, who had knocked off Wisconsin Mm-hmm. And then they played Minnesota Duluth in the semifinal. Mm-hmm. And then they go ahead and play St. Cloud State in the in the final. Yeah. So, so to be honest, I think they actually had one of the easier roads to the championship game because if they had to go against Wisconsin, they might have not won. And if they had to go against North Dakota, they might have not won. So I think they did have the easiest road. And I kind of compare it to in the NHL when the Bruins went to the final in 2019 because Columbus had won against Tampa. And I was like, okay, the road for Boston just opened up yeah, significantly. Then they had to play Carol- them. Then they played Carolina. So I do, I do think UMass got a little bit of help from the other teams this tournament. That's, that's true. But nonetheless, they, they did beat the, the return, like reigning uh, champion or team that won. And I mean, St. Cloud is, no, they're a very good team. I, I thought once they North Dakota got knocked out, they're my uh, team to win. But some other college hockey news that we found out yesterday, Cole Caulfield wins the Hobie Baker. Are you shocked there? I'm not shocked. And then he got called up for his AHL debut in Laval and scored two goals and one assist. So things yeah. are looking good for Caulfield right now. Is there a possibility he does get called up to Montreal? So he doesn't have to do his quarantine anymore since he's already in Quebec. So I'm going to say he's probably going to ride out the AHL until the playoffs. Or if they need a, like, if they need like lightning in a bottle. Yeah. He'll, uh, he'll come up and play with them. But I do, I do just want to highlight something about this frozen four. If you look at it, three teams in the frozen four were from Minnesota and then yeah. the other team was from Massachusetts. So I'm pretty sure it's it's kind of a, a obvious thing to say that Minnesota and Massachusetts are the powerhouses for hockey in the United States. Yeah, for sure. Especially when it comes to states, like states of colleges, because you think about what they have in Minnesota, and then you think about just in Boston. And now you have UMass Amherst. I mean, UMass Lowell was there. Uh, I mean, Providence is down the road. That's also very good. So, yeah, I, I'd agree with that statement. They're probably the two best states when it comes to college hockey. Yeah, and this is kind of different than what we've see, seen in previous years because this was kind of a blowout. Yeah, usually it's an OT game or it's a one-goal game in regulation. Yeah, so congrats to the UMass uh, Minutemen. Uh, good season, and that was a terrific tournament for them. And it was a terrific tournament overall. I think it was one of the more – like exciting yep. tournaments I've seen in a while. Yeah, for sure. Um, and with all the, like I said, them having that little COVID scare, but they got their players back and they play with the full roster. Um, 
But let's jump into some league news in the NHL. Um, these aren't transactions, but just some things going around the league. Uh, last night, the Edmonton Oilers honored uh, Colby Caves uh, one year of his passing and essentially a celebration of life. And then the Oilers played the Calgary Flames last night. And after the game, uh, the captain of the Oilers, Conor McDavid, uh, basically said, question the NHL for making them play after this whole celebrate, like this whole memorial slash celebration. And I kind of agree with it. It's obviously biased of an Oilers fan, but that must not be easy to play. It's probably not easy to play. I mean, let's just think about real life scenario. Like when we played for, we played the Braintree game when we did the celebration for Brownie, granted he was still alive, but like, yeah, that's true. That's what I mean. True. It's like still like our, our, our minds are somewhere else and our hearts are definitely somewhere else. So I could, I could definitely see where he's coming from with that. And uh, for those who don't know the Colby cave story uh, last year, he developed a brain. Was it an aneurysm? A brain bleed. Yeah. He developed was like on internal. life support on life support. And eventually I think it was a couple days after he passed, he passed away. Yeah, it had happened like pretty fast and it was like right at the start of the pandemic. Yep. And uh it's just some sad stuff coming out of the hockey world. So um I'm yep. glad that the team was able to celebrate his life and you know, whatever they make it make of it with the questionable call to play that game. Um, yep. the team just has to move forward. Exactly. But uh some lighter news uh austin matthews records a hat trick last night and scores his 30th and 31st goal I'd, I'd say it's safe to say he's running away with the scoring title this year you think he could hit 50 that's a hard that's a hard thing to do i don't think 50 is doable i think maybe somewhere in the f- low 40s would be i think is like within reach and not out of like that's not a that's not a stretch so there's probably about 15 or 16 games left. I think if he pops off for like maybe one or two more, like even a two goal game here and there, like he might, he might miss it by like three or four goals. Yeah. I think, uh, I think in the, yeah, that high thirties, low forties is kind of where I see this finishing. I think that's like realistic and not way off the board, but still what he's doing is insane. And I mean, the way he like he scores like it's almost like it's like how Ovechkin's changed like Ovechkin you just thought of him as scoring breakaways and one timers like Matthews can rip it but he's also scoring goals off rebounds, breakaways, tipping pucks. It's he's like everywhere. Yeah, and I, he's not slowing down. And this is probably not going to be the last Rocket Richard Trophy he he's close closing in on. But some more news coming out of the Maple Leafs is Jack Campbell. Moves to 11-0 in his first uh, 11 consecutive starts, which is a franchise record. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's an – is it an NHL record? I I don't know. I don't think it is. I think the Hamburglar might have more than that. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember Andrew Hammond when they yeah. made that incredible run for the playoffs. Yeah, and they were throwing burgers on the ice. Yeah, but – Honestly, though, like this is a long time coming for Jack Campbell. And like, I remember the Jack Campbell who started for Team USA like three years in a row at the World Juniors. Yep. And then got drafted very high in that 10, 2010 draft by Dallas. Didn't really do well there. Um, Was moved over to the Kings organization, had to grind it out in the minors, had to really get his confidence back. Cause I think, too, is like, as he was younger, he just dominated everywhere. So he's really never handled any adversity. And then, 
I think kind of found his way within the Kings organization, probably working with their goalie, like the goalie coach there and just getting more, more experience and like maybe more of a late bloomer and then gets traded over to Toronto last year. And everyone questioned that trade and it was like, this makes no sense. But like now I think people, it's like the guy's just won 11 straight games. It looks like he's full of confidence. He's got his game. And now it's like a little, this is a little awkward within the, like it's a, it's a, not a bad problem to have, but like now is, are you, we going to see Frederick Anderson play if he just keeps up with this trajectory? Because at this point it's like, how can you take him out of the net if he's 11 and 0? I mean, we've seen it before, man. I mean, some examples I can think off my head is uh, John Gibson coming in and stealing the show from Jonas Hiller in the playoffs that one year. Uh, Murray and, with Flurry. Yeah, Murray with Flurry. Uh, Andrew Hammond, Craig yeah. Anderson. Uh, who else? Martin Jones, I think. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot, a lot of these goalies that like come out of nowhere and go on these like winning streaks like they end up taking over as the number one yeah and i mean i wonder if freddie could be one that they let i wonder if in his contract he could be let go into the seattle expansion possibly or they move him if they if they really like campbell and think that he could be the one here so that's a little uh little awkward in leafs nation I mean, Toronto fans are like highly critical anyway. We already know that. So, I no. mean, I mean, why not keep both if you can? You know what I'm saying? Like the taco, uh, the taco commercial. Why not both? <laughs> but uh, enough, enough leaf talk. Fuck them. Uh, Eric Stahl, his first game with Montreal this week. Uh, they're playing the Edmonton Oilers. They're down. They were down two nothing. End up coming back tight two two late. And Stahl rips up a uh, puck from the right hand side right-hand side in overtime post in on Mike Smith and wins it in his first game. That must be, it was like a, a huge sigh of relief after all that debacle in Buffalo, especially someone of his veteran, like he's been in the league for so long. Like he's won a cup. The guy's a veteran. And I think it's probably like a sigh of relief for him essentially to get the fuck out of Buffalo and have a fresh start. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad to see that he's uh, was able to get that goal. Um, huge relief for him there. And like I said, when we talked about the trade, I thought that Montreal was actually a really good fit for him. So I'm wondering how much he can uh, add to that organization and what what he can do for them. I mean, obviously, if you're going to score a game-winning goal, that's huge. But on some negative like side of the things, like Brendan Gallagher's out for six weeks with a broken thumb, he'll probably come back just in time for the playoffs. Yeah, they got to get in. Yeah, they got to get in, and I mean, they're gonna miss him because uh, who who was it? Um, was it the Rocket who was like, yeah, Gallagher should have been the captain. Oh, Guy Lafleur. Guy Lafleur. Okay, yeah, Guy Lafleur. Yeah, Guy Lafleur said this was years ago. When I think it was Weber had not been named captain yet, and it was kind of still in that phase where I believe was it Placanic that was the captain at one point. Pacioretty no Pacioretty you're right after Pacioretty and I think too yeah Lafleur I mean Lafleur has made his opinions very public he's one that like is still pissed off at how much money these guys are making nowadays and like Lafleur is one of the greats of all time and it's just like he's made himself vocal about that but yeah like Gallagher's like a almost like a the heart and soul player of this this Habs team he's he's feisty he's gritty and he's been doing this for years, and but he's taken his body has taken a toll with the way he plays over the years, as with all these injuries that have been adding up. It just seems like there's always like one of these injuries every year with him. 
I know. I, I remember a couple of years ago he got hurt and they really needed him. Also, I want to take back what I said about a few minutes ago about Maurice Richard saying that because he passed away in 2000. So <laughs> I didn't brush up on my history. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's not great. But um, another little controversy with goaltending, man. Boston Bruins, uh, Tuca, you know, got hurt a couple like earlier in the month, comes back, plays one game, injured again. He's got a bit of a back injury. Uh, and then Yaroslav Halak tests positive for COVID-19. The team has to call up uh, Vladar and Swayman. Uh, we've seen Swayman and what what uh, Umaine has produced for goalies, and he was dominant. Umaine finally gets in the net, and he's looked pretty sharp uh, so far with his three starts. He's got two wins and a loss. I still think he played pretty well yesterday. Is this Swayman's a net to keep for now? Yes. I don't know if you remember this. I remember it was either episode one or two of this podcast. It was I, two. Yeah, yeah I, I literally said, "Why not Swayman? Why not Swayman?" Yeah. And then, and then last year we actually got a glimpse of Ladar. Um, I remember what was it in the AHL or something? He had like a sick ass save, like save of the year or whatever. Yeah. So uh, if Tuca doesn't come back, there's still there's still talks about Tuca possibly retiring. Yeah, I don't I don't know what's up with that. He's a weird. Like, he's weird, man. I mean, I I I'm a Tuca fan. Like, I don't. He gets so much hate. But like people don't realize how good of a goalie Tuca is, and what you, I think too, as years go on when he's gone, you'll realize how much he meant to the team, and like those guys in the locker room know how good he is. Yeah, for sure. And like, not to discredit anything that Tuca has done for the Bruins in the past yeah. ten years, but I mean, this is just what happens. The new generation of talent comes in. We thought we thought that Boston would get it with Malcolm Subban, but that wasn't the case. Nope. Uh, and. uh I'm actually excited for Swayman uh, coming down the stretch. Yeah, another uh, thing we, we need to mention here, um, Winnipeg Jets captain Blake Wheeler out indefinitely after taking a, a, a pretty nasty hit from one of the Kachuk brothers over uh, over the weekend. Or, sorry, earlier last last week. Um, it almost I think it's a concussion. They're, they're, they're deeming it an upper body injury. But, man, one of the big, big boys when it comes to Winnipeg Jets, they're still rolling, but I, I still think as time goes on, they're really going to miss Wheeler. Yeah, that's their captain, man. And as much as I shit on Wheeler sometimes and how I don't think he should be selected for like international play, uh, he does. He he's like he's a well-oiled machine and like he's the one who feeds Shifley. He's the one who feeds Kyle Connor on the yeah. power play. And so they're going to really miss his big ass body out there because he plays because they play like an overload type system. So he's yep. usually the one that's down below the uh, the goal line, or he's like sitting right next to the goalie. So they're gonna miss his uh, miss his leadership, miss his presence out there on the ice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, let's um, let's let's finish out here with uh, injury updates. Uh, one player from the Detroit Red Wings who we it had been rumored that he's probably gonna get traded at the deadline to join and go on a run with the team was Bobby Ryan. Um, He's out for the season with an upper body injury. That's un they're not deeming what it is, but tough, tough break for him, especially someone that deserves, I think, to go get traded to a contender and kind of help them try to make a push in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, that's tough, especially after what he's been through the last couple of years. Yeah, I know Bobby Ryan was having a really – he had a really good start to the season with Detroit. And I know yeah. he – from what I've read, like he really likes playing in Detroit. And I think 
now with this injury, he might want to re-sign there and stay yeah, there. I wouldn't be surprised if he just signs a one-year. He might just sign one year for the rest of his career and see if, like, you know, maybe next year if he has another strong, like, like output, that he might get dealt the deadline again if Detroit's still what Detroit's been the last few years. But um, we have some – this has been a busy, uh, busy week, obviously, with the deadline tomorrow. There's been some transactions in the past few days that are pretty significant with uh, around the league. And I think the big one was the Islanders. Uh, they lose Anders Lee for the season. Uh, GM goes out and acquires Travis Zajac and Kyle Palmieri from the New Jersey Devils for A.J. Greer, Mason Yost, a first-round pick this year, and then a fourth-rounder next year. There was talks that the Islanders had a deal in place to acquire Taylor Hall, but I guess when the Devils added Zajac into the deal with Palmieri, that's what kind of took Lou Lamorello, and he accepted that deal. Yeah, Zajac's a center, and Kyle Palmieri plays the wing, and this is a, this is a W for the Islanders. This is yeah, very, this is great. Big. It's a great it's a great uh, great trade. Uh, you get a scoring guy in Palmieri, and you get another piece up the uh, to go up the middle. So now you have Barzell, Nelson, uh, Zajac. Um, you still have Sezikis, and there's still some other guys that are that, that play wing that can also play center if needed. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the Islanders' uh, run this summer. It's yep. gonna be it's gonna be awesome. But some other. Uh, Unfortunate news coming from the Devils is that they terminated Nikita Gusev's contract, and Gusev actually just signed a one-year, uh, one million deal with the Florida Panthers. And for those who don't know, Nikita Gusev is one of those like those hype train type of players, like that come out of Russia. This is uh, he's the pre one of what we what Kirill Kaprizov got. Obviously, Kirill Kaprizov has lived up to everything and more that was expected of him, but this kid. Um, was drafted by Tampa. Then Vegas had his rights. And when Vegas was on their cup run, the after the KHL season had ended where Gusev was playing, there was rumors he was going to come join the team. Didn't end up um, didn't end up playing any games with Vegas and then ended up signing with... Did he sign or did he tr- get traded to the Devils? I think he signed. He signed with them because he was a so, UFA. It was just weird. Like, why did he sign with the Devils? Because I remember everyone's like, oh, my God, the Devils are going to be good. They got Gusev. Then they got Hughes. Then they they had Suban, And just didn't work there. I, I, I On the Panthers' end, this is like kind of like a – this could work. This couldn't work. But, I mean, it's only a $1 million deal. It's not like they gave up a ton for this. So, it's a, it's a gamble. But hopefully it does end up working with Panthers, and it's a fresh start for Gusev. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- I think Gusev, he could be like one of those, like you, you, you insert him into the lineup one night and he pops off for maybe a goal, like a big goal. Yep. Like that's, that's how I see it going down. I'm not sure if he'll be an everyday player in the uh, Panthers lineup because they have a pretty deep team at this point. Yeah, for sure. And, and Florida is also uh, moving more, more trades. They just made a trade with the Chicago Blackhawks. They shipped off Brett Connolly, Riley Stillman, and Henrik Borgstrom. Borgstrom, a note on him is that he was a first-round pick uh, a couple years ago. Yep. And and what they got in return was Lucas Walmark and Lucas Carlson. And I know and I know Carlson was playing. He's played okay hockey with yep. the uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks. I think that was more to just clean up some cap room. I think, that especially with Brett Conley's contract, I think that's where they kind of. I'm I'm still shocked they've given up on Borgstrom. Hopefully, I mean, I, I 
I thought this kid was going to be really good. I I think I almost said, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of years ago, I thought this kid might win the hope. Uh, the Calder coming in from college. He put at Denver was very successful. Then we saw him playing in Springfield for a bit when he uh, when he transitioned into pro and then came up and just really never found his game in Florida. Yeah, that's a shame. And like, yeah, I think you're starting to see that with a lot more like first round picks, especially the guys who go in the 20, like the 21 yep. to like 32 range. Like, yep. Your draft uh, stock literally means nothing anymore. Yeah, really. I mean, we've seen some studs come out of the later rounds the last few years, especially like uh, someone in particular, I think that does like is Braden Point. No one took a gamble on Braden Point to the Lightning did in the third or fourth round. He's turned out to be a stud, but then you see guys in the first round, especially like the Bruins, the, the three picks they had in a row and they really didn't hit down any of them. The, the Bruins are always a fun one to play whack-a-mole with when it comes to draft picks. <laughs> yeah. They're the, they're the, uh, the laughing stock of that. Uh, yeah. and, oh, uh, one more, one more guy I want to talk about. Uh, if we're going to talk about the draft is the Blackhawks getting Alex to in the second round. That's another good one. Yep. Uh, definitely took some heat, I think on his size, but the kid could put the puck in the net. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs went out and acquired Riley Nash from the Columbus Blue Jackets for a seventh rounder in 2022. I like this Pete. I like this trade a lot by the uh, Leafs. Um, I think he brings a lot of like depth down to their bottom six, which I think everyone has made fun of the Leafs for not having enough depth when it comes to the, I feel like that's always been like the kind of like the Achilles heel, especially with their defense. So I, I do like this trade very, I mean, they just gave up a seventh rounder. So it wasn't like they had to give up a lot to get Riley Nash. Yeah. I'm trying to remember Riley Nash from the, the Bruins cup run. Uh, I know he did play a really integral part on that third, fourth line. Which so, one? He he was on Columbus when they went in nineteen. Was he? Remember? Yeah, he got. Remember, he got croaked by Chara. You're right. Sorry. So that's where that's where I'm remembering him from. But either way, like Riley Nash, when I watched him on the Bruins, I always thought he was a good player. Like, yeah, he's not nothing. he's not great, but you know what you're gonna get from him. Yeah. So, but speaking of the fucking blue jackets and the Tampa Bay lightning. And this is something that really chaps my fucking ass is David Savard. Who else went Uh, lash off? I think it was a three, it was a three way deal between the red wings, the the red wings. Yeah. And Columbus. I don't know how they ended up getting a first round pick for David Savard. I think there was also a second round pick in that too. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of pieces that were going around in that three-way trade, but I think at the end of the day, it's the first-round pick that that Columbus gets, and it's David Savard going to uh, Tampa. I think too. Once we saw, we'll, we'll get into it next. But with the trade that uh, Florida made for another defenseman, I think that's where Tampa was like, okay, I think it's time we solidify our. I mean, their back end's already good as it is, so this is another piece. It's almost like getting. Um, it'd be like essentially them getting Zach Bogosian like they did last year. First-round pick. I know, but they're still in their window, man. They they're doing anything they can to pump out another cup there, and that's what I, you got to do sometimes. I know, I know it's a I know it's a high it's a high price, but we'll see what happens. The trade deadline, man. Every everyone's value is so inflated at the deadline. If this was like mid season, it's like yeah, I'll give you a third or a fourth. Yep. Yeah, so, um, 
what like what I was foreshadowing earlier, uh, Florida Panthers also made another deal and they acquired Brandon Montour from the Buffalo Sabres for a 2021 third round pick. I really like this trade too. I think uh, especially with them losing Ekblad, this is another piece to kind of help replace and eat minutes uh, on that back end for the Florida Panthers. So I don't think they had to give up a lot for him. So I, I think Brandon Montour is better than David Savard personally. Yeah, I would. I, I second that. I think Brandon Montour just being in Buffalo kind of yeah, kills his game a little bit. But he was in Anaheim beforehand, and he was a 30-point player with Anaheim. Yeah, like I always get him and um, another player like this. I can kind of compare him to his Josh Manson. Yeah, I, I do get those guys confused a lot. Uh, but, I mean, solid, solid pickup for Florida. I think Florida was really active at this deadline. Yeah. Uh, the Avalanche were active at this deadline. Speaking of which, they were able to acquire Devin Dubnik from San Jose for a fifth rounder and Greg Patteron. And then they also got Patrick Nemeth from Detroit. So yep. they get a third pairing defenseman and then they get a starter backup. I mean, I think he's gonna he's gonna back up. It's more of a tandem, I guess, now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good trade. I think Dubnik need to get the hell out of San Jose. That was not that's not a healthy place for him. Um, but they I mean it's another just in case, like say if Grubauer goes down, you have Dubnik to back him up. I don't think it's a bad uh bad move there. I mean that's uh, what fucked him last year. That's very true, but we still have one player on the board that still hasn't been traded. He's currently being uh being sat out as Taylor Hall. I'm curious where Hall there's no way Hall doesn't get dealt. I, f- I feel like the can- someone has to get him. I think some, and I think someone wants him, and I think that somebody is Edmonton Oilers. I really hope it's the Edmonton Oilers. I really do. He needs to get the hell out of Buffalo. The only issue now is if they do get Hall, he's they they have to wait a week to get him. But I'm curious what the price is going to be to get him. I mean, we just saw David Savard get traded for a first round pick. Um, the Devils. I mean, the Devils got a first round pick for. It, it is two players, but still, I, I'm curious what the Islanders offered for Hall because there was a trade in place that sent Hall to the Islanders. So I don't know if it's the same thing as what uh, the what the basically what the Devils offered without Zajac. So I'm curious. Uh, I was just on Twitter and I know that I saw that Edmonton was making a huge push for them. I don't I don't follow them as much as you do and I don't know their cap situation. I just really hope they're not trying to trade Evan Bouchard or Philip Broberg. That's all I care about. I'm curious who else would be like, I don't know. I really don't know what would be in that deal. And I don't want to know because I feel like it might be an overpayment and could be a player that you want long-term. But if you got Hall, I guess they need Hall playing with someone like Ryan Nugent Hopkins if they really want to do anything in the playoffs. Because if a team can shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl, it's basically over. You think Kyler Yamamoto might be in that? That's who I'm thinking of, and I really don't want them to move on from him. But if that's the case, I guess. But I don't – because at the end of the day, if you move Yamamoto and you get Hall, you can only keep one player between Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Kyler Yamamoto and or between Taylor Taylor Hall and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And let's be real here, I'd still take Nugent Hopkins just for the being younger, not as many miles in the body, and he can play center too. So I – I guess I'd like it in the sense for the run, but then after the end of the season, it's like, shit, okay, we can only sign one of these players. But the other thing too is you do lose um, 
James Neal's money off the books, which is good. I like if they could get rid of like Zach Cassian, I wouldn't be mad about it. Zach Cassian, uh, is it a contract problem or is it a, just a trade value problem? Uh, it's just not playing well for what he's getting paid. So I guess What's he getting paid? Problem. Like four mil? I think it's between three and four million. He had a really good season last year before the pandemic, but after that, he's been kind of eh. not not Zach Cassian like. So, yeah, I guess I mean I, I've heard stuff about the Leafs. I don't know how they would get Hall. Um, I'm, and if they got Hall, that would be I'd be so mad. Let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs being a potential landing spot for Taylor Hall. So I'm looking at a couple guys right now. The two guys that kind of stick out to me in terms of cap are Alexander Kerfoot and Zach yep. Hyman. I think you got to keep Zach Hyman. Zach Hyman's been awesome for the Leafs, but if that's the, I think they'd be willing to get rid of him for that for Hall. Well, th- let's also think about it. A lot of teams are probably going to be pushing for Buffalo to retain 50% of that salary. That's very true. That because that's what Edmonton, that's what Edmonton is pushing for. That's what I saw in the tweets. And and the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm pretty sure they open up some space because of LTIR. Yeah, that's very true. So uh, it could it, I think it could be the two teams in in Edmonton and Toronto that are the like two hot spots for Taylor Hall. I'm curious if you're Hall, do you want to go to Toronto or do you want to go back to Edmonton? Fuck, dude. If I have the best chance to win a cup, I'm going to fucking Toronto. It's true. Like, no, no disrespect to Edmonton and uh, no disrespect to Edmonton, but like in a head to head matchup or like a seven game series, like I'm taking Toronto, dude. Okay, Sherlock. Especially seeing what Chicago is able to do to Edmonton last season. I mean, hey, hey, don't, we don't talk about that. Oh, we always talk about that on this show. Okay. Well, I think that's enough uh, trend trades and transactions talk. Let's get into the standings. Um, let's start off with this mass mutual uh, stand uh, East standing. You still got Washington in first place. The Islanders are right behind them still. Like same thing as last week. Just Pittsburgh still in that, that three spot. Boston's in that four spot. Uh, Pittsburgh or Philly and the Rangers are kind of right behind Boston. Uh, Boston does have a few games in hand. Uh, do you see, what do you see? Like, I think it's it's really it's it, nothing has really changed here after this past week. Yeah, no, I think Boston is actually playing a little bit better. I think that was something yeah. I pointed out last episode was just playing more consistent. Mm-hmm. And then Philly, Philly, Philly's been on a little. I mean, as long as as long as Boston keeps beating Philly, yeah, that there's no problem. That force, yeah. So I still think it's going to be Washington Islanders, Pittsburgh. I still think the Islanders and Washington could flip flop for that one and two spot. I think, I don't know if Pittsburgh is going to get to one, but yeah, I think the other teams are pretty irrelevant at this point. I don't think the rate, I mean, the Rangers, unless they get hot, uh, could get jump into that five spot, but I don't think they get anywhere close to Boston. The uh, Jersey and Buffalo are, they're not, they're not, they're not moving. Draft lottery, baby. Yep. Uh, this discover. However, though, this discover central division, this is tight as hell. Well, especially the three, the top three teams. Um, they could, I mean, three could turn it by next week. Three could be one and one could be three. It, it, it just the way that things are going. I know Florida's lost three in a row and they're in third place, but damn, Carolina jumps into first place at their 27, nine and four. It's awesome, dude. 
They're playing really could they, well. Could, could they make a move to try to get someone? I don't think so. I think they like their team. I think they're I think they're okay with where everything is at. I mean the only the only thing that I that I know that they might have dabbled with was trading away one of their goalies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we did talk we've talked about that. I think too at the end of the day it's either gonna be Mrazic or Reimer. They can't trade Nadelkovich. He's the man. He's the man for the he's their one. Yeah, he's, um, he's he's younger too. Uh kid I at this point I still think that four spot's gonna either be I mean, right now it's Nashville, Chicago, and Dallas. Dallas is still three games short of games played. Uh, is Nashville going to secure that? Chicago is going to fucking blow it. <laughs> you think they're all, they've won their last game, but yeah, I, won't, I won't say Nashville is going to lock it down, but all I'm going to say Chicago is going to fucking blow this gig, dude. All right. I'm fucking, I'm fucking mad, bro. I'm so mad. I don't, I don't think you're going to see any. Di- I'd say Columbus is done. And uh, I think it's safe to say you won't be seeing Torts back next year. Hot take. And I don't think Detroit's going to make any uh, make any move out of eighth place, but that's just me. I just want Detroit to spoil some teams. Okay, uh, I like where I like where your head's at. Uh, let's let's jump north the border to Canada. Um, no surprise, Toronto's still uh, in first place at fifty nine points. They've won six straight. Winnipeg. I know that they're still without Blake Wheeler, but they've won three straight. They're a point ahead of the Edmonton Oilers and have a game in hand. Edmonton's still in that three spot at 52 points. They lost last night to the Calgary Flames 5-0. You've got Montreal in that four spot um, with three games. They're four games behind or less than the Oilers and three behind the Winnipeg Jets in Toronto. I don't think they're going to jump into the top three, but I think they're going to secure this four spot. Yeah, I think Montreal's going to stay right there. How uh, they, you, do you, you know the playoff format, right? So in uh, each of the divisions, so what's going to what they're doing is so in these divisions, the one is going to play the four and then the two is going to play the three and then yeah. the winners of that will play each other and then it's like a Stanley Cup final like yeah. semifinals and then it's the Stanley Cup finals. So if it's Winnipeg and Edmonton, bro, that's going to be a fucking battle. That, yeah, that honestly could be one of the best matchups of the like the initial in the entire league. Like um, because they're two like high powered offenses. Yep. Yeah, and they're yep. I think I'd still take I would take Edmonton in a series with them. If they don't have Blake Wheeler, I'm taking Edmonton. I don't know, man. But what if what if Edmonton gets Hall? Uh yeah, I mean Edmonton might be able to exploit like a a young yeah. D or oh, like yeah. a but I mean, the only thing is, like, they also have Hellebuck back there. I mean, the Edmonton Oilers, dude. If they're not disciplined, they're gonna be, they're gonna be fighting around with some, if on the power, uh, power play. Yeah. Because Winnipeg's power play, man. Yep. Um, I don't think you're gonna see Calgary really do much. They're still six points behind the the Habs, and they have they're still three games ahead. Um, Vancouver, though. Uh, they should be back on the ice this upcoming week. I did see reports about that. So they need to get their games in. Um, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with Vancouver. So I think the NHL, I was, I think I just glanced at it. They're actually going to let Vancouver play all their games this season. Cause they're going to, they're going to end up extending the season a little bit. I think it's to like May 12th, I believe. So they're actually going to let Vancouver play all of their games. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. 
Um, I don't think you're going to see Ottawa. I think Ottawa is just kind of playing spoiler at this point. They've lost four straight, um, but it's still the future is very bright in Ottawa. I don't think there's anything to worry about. They still have their high-end prospects coming, and they're going to get another, another high-end draft pick this year. They have a plan in place. As long as you have yeah. a plan in place, it's, it's all good. Yeah. All right, let's let's transition over to this Honda West division. Another another very solid solid division. Um, you still got Colorado in first place, um, Vegas in number two, Minnesota at three, and then you have St. Louis at four. And Arizona's right behind St. Louis with, and they're tied in games played. Uh, St. Louis has forty four points. Arizona has forty three. Um, dude, this, I'm a little nervous. Like, imagine the 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 Coyotes sneak in and take the Blues out. Or even San Jose. I don't know how San Jose would do it, but still. I uh Arizona's playing a little bit of hockey as of late, but did you see Ryan O'Reilly's roof job last that night? That was the OT winner. That was so sick. What a shot. Yeah. Uh Blues have one Blues have won three in a row, too. Yeah, dude. I, I don't know, man. But, I, I want it to get down to like game like I want them to get down to like the last six games of the season, because that's when you really are like your eye your eye you're like eye fucking the standings you're like oh my god like what if they lose here like yeah but any but regardless is any team that gets into that four spot have any chance to beat colorado because vegas st louis maybe yeah i think imagine still that vegas minnesota series that that's where it's going to end that's going to be another great series that's going to be a fucking battle yeah, I still think the California teams their their uh, reign as Pacific Pacific champs are done, dude. I know, it's crazy all of them. From and 2008 to 2017, 18, dude, they ran the fucking Pacific for so many years for a decade. And now, but the thing is too, we always talk about this, San Jose probably had like was the most consistent of the three even though the kings did win two cups but like with regular season finishes and like like total you know what i mean total like playoffs how yeah. san jose never won a cup is ridiculous they let's let's see if i can remember they went to the western conference final in 2010 2011 or i forget which one was there up 3-0 on the they had the kings up 3-0 and they lost that was 2014 2016 they went to the cup final yep. yeah man they just always seemed like they always seemed like poised for a deep run and they just could never ever get there yeah so <laughs> well we know the future is pretty bright i mean the the kings and at least the kings and the ducks have like very good prospects it just seems like the sharks really have nothing they, I think they fell into the trap of like all those cup runs. Yep. And they just traded away prospects. They traded away picks, and now they're just kind of like. Yep. Yep. Like looking at uh, like LA has some high end prospects. Anaheim has high end prospects, especially guys like you know Steele, Drysdale, Zegris, um, Com- Comtois, and then looking at the Kings, they have Bjornfoot, Iafalo, um. Kaliev. They still have Kaliev. They still have Byfield, um, uh, Akil Thomas. Yep. And so, yeah, it just sucks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sharks fans, but it's, it's gonna. San Jose is Ozzy Wiseblatt. Yeah, it's gonna be. 
you mean biting down on a shit sandwich for a long time for the next five years in san jose i think yeah but hey this was a lot of fun man i'm glad we got to sit down and talk about this i know we got the deadline tomorrow we'll be active on our socials updating about transactions uh but great episode a lot lot of talk about and i think we basically covered everything yeah man for sure really uh really enjoy doing this let's get into our weekly fantasy update just give me a second let me pull these standings up so this week is about to end but i will just run down the standings right now first place is my podcast sucks or our podcast sucks aka aaron acorn he's in first place are you winning or losing this week i'm up five four right now i should win so you've definitely so i'm actually looking at the standings and it says you've clinched a playoff spot because you have a little asterisk next to your name second place is meredith dwyer atkinson diet third place is fat kessel fourth place is mitch weitzel's team Fifth place is Ghost Crider. Sixth place is Dumba and Dumber. Seventh is Upbeaks and Beatdowns. Eighth place is AA Corn 12. Ninth place is Ya Boy, Cheeks Clapping In. Um, I'm still mathematically in this race. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say this right now. I know we're talking about it. I, I'm about to make a transaction. I'm going to let everyone know what it's about to be. I think I'm about to drop Frederick Anderson and add Jeremy Swayman. That's uh, that's that's pretty good because I was actually looking at him. Um, my goalie situation sucks, and Taylor Hall hasn't been contributing to my lineup anyway. But um, it's been a cool year for fantasy. I know la- last couple years it's been kind of like all over the fucking place in terms of like categories. But I do like the one week scoring format. I do too, and I think it's been overall a good year. So. I'm- these last two weeks and then we'll get into the playoffs and whoever wins will win 300 smackaroos. So, um, but yeah, this is, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how this fantasy uh, season ends. Uh, I, would, I would love to win, but it's going to be tough. Yeah, man, for sure. And uh, if you want to support us even further, uh, hit us up. If you want to buy a t-shirt, they're 25 bucks. Um, but yeah, guys, thanks for listening. All right. Sounds good.